Is episodes once a week not enough for you? Or are you looking for more technical information from the Mixing Music Podcast? Well, guess what? Now you can. You can subscribe to our exclusive content and triple the amount of episodes that you get access to. That's right. Instead of the free once a week episodes, you get three episodes a week for only $4 a month or $40 a year. Go to mixingmusicpodcast.com backslash exclusive to get access to those episodes now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. One, two, three. Hello, and welcome back to the Mixing Music Podcast. I'm your host, DK, and we have a very special episode today. Another episode with special guest Michael Van Wagner. Hi, Michael. How are you doing? What's up? I'm doing good, man. How have you been? Good. Been very busy. It's been uh, decent weather in LA, a little bit cloudy the last couple days, cooled down, but... Utah's yeah, warming much up. Much better than in Utah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Utah's definitely warming up. Uh, Michael, we've done uh, a few uh, a few of these. Uh, we've only done one mix review before. Um, and it's one of our most played podcast episodes. So we're really excited to have you back and talk to you about this new song, Other Side, which actually has been out for a little bit. How, when did it come out? Uh, it came out mid-January. So a few months ago. So it's been out for a few months now, um, and we're finally getting around to it to do a like a what is it called mix review or, uh, and we're gonna talk about the song, the process, of course, the songwriting, the lyrics, um, and I I wanted to first ask what the lyrics were, and 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 if anybody's listening right now, as always with all of these mix reviews and stuff, we put the entire song at the end of the episode. So if you want to skip to the end just to listen to the song and come back to the beginning right here at the section, feel free to do so. Um, but stick around after the credits and we will play the entire song. Um, it's really quite good. Other Side by Michael Van Wagner. But can you tell us a little about the story and the lyrics and kind of where the idea of it came from? Yeah, so originally um, I was going to write Other Side for another artist. Um, I came together with her and, and she had this initial concept of just how people keep thinking that when they get to the next milestone, it's going to make them happy when they get, when they hit X number of followers, when they have X number of X amount of money, you know, that that's when they're going to feel fulfilled in life. Um, but the truth is that you'll never 
reach that and be satisfied. There will always be like a next step. And so you have to get your happiness from something else instead of like artificial um, kind of shallow things. So, um, yeah, so the lyrics kind of talk about these different avenues where, um, like, for example, in my own career, this is like a little bit of a detour, but uh, I speak a crazy language from the Philippines called Hiligaynon. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you were telling me about that before. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it was, it's, um, it's kind of mind-blowing to the people there when they see Americans speaking their language just because it's like pretty obscure. There's a few Americans that speak Tagalog, but Hiligaynon is really rare. And so me and my roommate, we both spoke that language. And just for fun, we started making these videos. And we didn't expect it at all, but it kind of blew up in the Philippines and started getting millions of views with these like silly videos we would make. And I remember the first time we hit a million views, it was like, oh my gosh, this is the greatest day ever. We made it. Woo! And we were so hyped. And then we put out the next video and it only got like half a million or something like that. And we were super bummed. Like, oh, what did we do wrong? But it's so funny because it's like as soon as we hit that million mile mark, a million views was now what we expected with every video instead of like being really stoked for every new view, every new follower. And so that's kind of the point for me when I realized that I need to base my happiness in my career, not based on the number of streams I'm getting in my music, not the number of followers or likes I'm getting, but in the intrinsic value of creating art and putting something meaningful into the world. Yeah, there's this, uh, this is actually perfect timing. There's this book I just finished called The Practice by Seth Godin. I think it's a relatively new one. Mm -hmm. And it talks about how it's a book for creatives and I actually really highly recommend it. And, um, uh, the simple concept of like, if you try to control the outcome, the one thing that is not in your control, you can't control, nobody can control the outcome. Is that creative? Um, right. But, uh, if you try to control the outcome, it'll just like lead to disappointment, you know? But, uh, if you focus on the joy of the creation, the work, um, and also like the idea of like goals, like to a certain degree, there's a lot of like, let's say, uh, you have a goal to, um, make a million dollars or to have two kids, right. Or, or whatever your goal is to get a billboard charting record, whatever it is. Right. Mm -hmm. Does your goal, like, does life end when you reach your goal? You know, there's all, it's like, right. it's always supposed like, to be shifting and moving step? around. So what kind of conclusion did you kind of discover within yourself while you're writing this or, um, you know, so what did you learn from the experience, I guess? So in the experience of writing it, I just, I thought about myself because the tagline is, it's going to leave you cold and empty on the other side. Um, and that's both speaking on once you're on the other side of reaching that goal, getting that number of followers or that amount of money or whatever. Um, and it also kind of refers to like, after you die, what are you going to look back on and be proud of? Like after you die, is it going to be like, oh yeah, I made a bunch of money. Or is it going to be, I impacted a lot of people and helped make people's lives better through my music. I helped influence people for good. Um, and so the song kind of just like tackles that concept of 
when you get to the other side, um, what's going to leave you fulfilled and what's going to leave you feeling empty inside. Yeah. Now, one of the things that I, I hope for and I believe in is, uh, is that usually wealth and income comes from uh, a scalable, some sort of way that you've serviced others. Like when you write music and you become a celebrity, I know it sounds kind of silly, but you're helping a lot of people out in a very scalable way. That's true. So, I mean, yeah. like, uh, no matter how dumb the song is, the fact that it's so out there, like, it's it's definitely helping people in one way or another, even if the purpose is just providing entertainment, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and there's, I think there's a trend right now of um, hating on highly successful people. Um, there's a lot of people who I think who that's hate always been a trend. That's, that's never, it, yeah. that's never been different. Um. And, you know, they have valid points, valid arguments. But for the most part, for example, Jeff Bezos being one of the wealthiest people in the world, I love Amazon. <laughs> I think it's an amazing service and uh, it helps a lot of people. And so I have no problem with the fact that he makes a lot of money, what he does, because he's creating value. But the thing is, the problem is the focus, right? Obviously, you need money. You need money to like provide for your family. Um, you know, provide for your needs. There's nothing wrong with having an excess of money either. Um, but it's where your focus is. If your focus is in your craft and creating something meaningful, then you're going to get fulfillment from it, regardless of if you make a million dollars or if you make zero dollars. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, he, and to be honest, like uh, the whole paradox with Jeff Bezos, I don't know if we talked about this before, but the idea that if Jeff Bezos built Amazon to make money, then he would have stopped and sold Amazon or stopped working himself 15 yep. years ago. I mean, there's only so much money that you can have before it becomes impossible to spend. Like, and it's, <laughs> it's not as high as you think. Yeah. Like, and so the fact that he's still doing it, he's not doing it for money. It's very obvious that he's not doing it for money. Um, Amazon is a valuable service that has no replacement there it's it's serving the world and providing efficiency in a way that people like especially the pandemic like amazon really came through oh yeah you know mm-hmm. and um it really does good in the world and and i would say that those who follow that trend of of that never ending oh it's always trending of of hating on or being jealous i would say being jealous of those that are wealthy and more successful more intelligent whatever it is it's it's usually it's usually that's one of the problems and the issues of why that person is not likely to be successful. Um, mm-hmm. That that victim mentality, that inability to be open minded and consider that you can do it too. That yeah. Jeff Bezos is not special or extra smart in any of the sense of the way. He just didn't go to parties and he sacrificed. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if sacrificing your family is something honorable, but like I know that like to the point where you know he he's working really, really hard, working way too many hours. Like you cannot deny the hard work that he's putting in the consistency of hard work that he's putting in. Yeah. Well, and having, having faith in an idea and investing everything into it. Yeah, um, absolutely. takes a lot of courage. Absolutely. And, and I, I will say that this happens a lot in the creative field. Uh, like creatives tend to, uh, uh, have high intelligence and ability to create change, but change is usually what in the art world, in the visual art world, what two hundred years after they die, after the artist dies. Like, yeah. Um, there's a, a a psychology book that I'm reading right now um, that is 
uh, people either love or they hate. Uh, and I would say, re regardless of whether you hate or love this person, you should give this book a shot or this the concepts within a shot. Um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, 12 Rules of Life by Jordan Peterson. And oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's, it's super stupid good. Um, but Jordan Peterson, a lot of his talks about creatives, like he, he's a huge fan of creativity and, and he's an advocate of pumping more money into the art scene in Toronto and in the government. And, and that he, he often talks about how mm -hmm. it's, it's in the government's best interest to pump more money into the art scene to revitalize the city kind of thing. And in turn, all this other stuff, very, very awesome person. And, and he talks about, there's this, um, correlation with, with, uh, creativity where creatives are tend to be open-minded they're really willing to accept uh new concepts that that normal people can't really see um and they create just for example like when uh 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 impressionism came out when it was first new like people had actual physical emotional reactions like people were angry about this art style <laughs> yeah like you know and then now it's so normal and accepted that nobody things twice like people have impressionism all over the place but it, it was the fact that those early impressionist artists like created the change changed the culture there's no immediate payback so uh, creative actually has this correlation with lack of income high risk high reward so it's like mm -hmm. there's there's only one percent of people that ever make anything from music or anything creative but and they make a lot of money but most people aren't going to make it which is unfortunate but it still doesn't mean you're going to create you're not going to create change as a creative. Yeah. It's our job to enjoy the process um, and be happy with the process. And, and, um, and that way the change will come, right? No matter yeah, how good make, the painting is. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. I apologize. No. Yeah. Just what you were saying, like make art for art's sake, take joy in the craft and the value that you're providing. And don't think about, Kind of the external factors of approval from other people or money to get sent your way. I mean, like, uh, we talk about it as creatives, but even like, I always laugh when you talk about scientists from like history where they came up with this idea and nobody accepted it until like 50 years after they died. And then they realized, oh, yeah, this guy was right. The world is round. <laughs> you know? And sometimes with science, we just kind of get lucky. Like nobody actually knew that the sun was the center of the universe. Nobody knew that <laughs> or the, of, of our little galaxy or whatever, right? Of our little bunch of solar planets. system. Yeah, yeah. Our solar system. There you go. I was trying to find the right word. Obviously, I'm uh, not a scientist. <laughs> uh, hey, me neither. But, but um, for reals, though, I think that sometimes it's a lucky guess and sometimes nobody knows. But I, if if we refocus to the purpose, which is the creation, the fact that you were having fun making those videos, that you were enjoying impacting people, whether it's 10 people with, what, a hiligaynon? Mm -hmm. Whether it's 10 people or a million people, like, it should, like the, it's the craft that, that we should enjoy, that we should find, the songwriting, the production, the, the mixing, whatever it is, the craft that we enjoy. And then the, and I, I think that in turn, the, the benefits will come through consistency. Like, um, even with art, like we were talking, like, um, if you are the best painter ever, but you only made one piece of art, like you're not going to be no like, you have to have these artists like quantity. Yeah, yeah exactly. Van Gogh, Picasso, like they had a bunch of art and it's not because they were focusing on quantity over quality. I don't think that argument is anywhere near relative. It's, it's the fact that they just loved it so much that they've just been so consistent 
you know, and, and because there's a lot of Picasso and Van Gogh pieces, that's why they're so valuable and so well known. If there's only one, nobody would have ever known. Right. And, um, so I think that's another thing too, is, is, uh, Seth Godin in the practice talked about the importance of shipping the work and what shipping the work means is, is for musicians, that would mean releasing the music. You're not a creative unless you release the music. Um, exactly. or if you're an artist, like put it in a, like try to get it sold or put a listing on Etsy or something. Just, just get it up there. Put it on YouTube. If you make videos, don't just hold it on your hard drive. If you, if you make a lot of songs and just leave it on your hard drive, you're not an artist. You're not a creative according to Seth Godin. And, and I think there's a lot of truth in that. Not to like put anybody down because I'm sure there's, most of us have songs on our hard drive more. So no, not, yeah. Well, not to put people down, but to encourage them that the songs you've just got sitting on your hard drive, finish them. Have the discipline. You probably have like a verse and a chorus. Force yourself to finish the song and put it out there. I think, I think what you, the word that you said, discipline, I really like that. How, how have you gotten over your own ego and own, uh, own insecurities to be able to, because you weren't releasing music very much until no. relatively recently. No, yeah. Well, I actually talked about this um, uh, when we were discussing the like lyric meaning around never be yes but, which uh, is which is another episode it was the first uh mixed feedback episode that we did um with michael here it's it's in an earlier episode uh you could go check that out but uh yeah tell tell me more yeah so i just honestly didn't think i could cut it as an artist i loved writing songs and like there was something in me that i knew that i was good enough but I let all of these external factors kind of dictate what I allowed myself to do. Um, I kind of had this mental, I, I was fixated on this idea, I guess, that as an artist, I had to, had to be really eccentric. Um, I had to be extremely good looking. Um, I thought I was too out of shape. Um, I didn't look like an artist. Um, I wasn't interesting enough as a person. Um, and those thoughts really like prevented me from allowing myself to put out my own music. I was just writing for other artists at that time. Um, but the most joy, I still enjoy writing for other people, but if I didn't have my own artist project, I would be so creatively unfulfilled. Like I feel like I need to be putting out my own music and even if it doesn't take off, even if I don't end up, you know, being the next Justin Bieber or whatever, um, it's, uh, it's been one of the most fulfilling aspects of my life is um, deciding to become an artist and releasing my own music. Now, do you feel on a personal level that there was an emotional difference between writing songs and leaving them on your hard drive and when you finally decided to release them into the wild? Yeah, well, it's nerve-wracking at first because it's impossible to switch off the thoughts of like, okay, what if people hate it? What if nobody listens to it? Um, it's it's impossible to shut those voices out, but um, just ignoring them and pushing through the nerves and putting it out there, uh, it's been so rewarding because the feedback from people has been incredible. You know, it hasn't like blown up and gotten millions of streams, but the people that it has reached have reached out to me and have told me like, Hey, this song really helped me. And the value of that is just, you can't measure it. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
I think um, many times, like, I, I want to talk more about, like, practical empathy, which is, like, the ability, like, you make art for yourself to a certain degree and for the process, but you also have to have some sort of practical empathy and, and, and discover what your audience wants or what your fans want. Um, right. And, and a lot of the times, you know, some people are like, who is my audience? And try to define their audience, but most of the time you can't really tell until you look at the analytics afterwards. Um, you might find that you're actually, your music is most being listened to by 30 to 40-year-old moms for some reason. Mm -hmm. That's your target demographic, which is a funny one, but uh, I, I, like, yeah. like you don't really know. Like yeah. nobody wrote music for 30 to 40-year-old moms in, in, in Pennsylvania. Like nobody did that, but that may be the case. You never know. Um, but to kind of have practical empathy and think, and I think that when you do think about yourself in the sense that, okay, I had, let's say we had a break, rough, uh, a hard time with a breakup, um, that is something that other people feel. And when you have practical empathy, you're, you're kind of emoting for people that can't, like that have a hard time expressing or communicating their emotions, you know? So I think that yeah, um, exactly. making music, being a creative is a, is a huge value and service to the world. Very important. And I think that when anybody listening to the podcast right now that is not shipping their work, is not releasing their music or posting their videos if they make videos or whatever, right? Whatever your creative work is, that um, I would say that maybe you're being insecure and you're being scared and there's lots of value behind, or lots of perfectly good reasons. But I would argue that that's low-key being selfish. That's doing a disservice to the world. The world needs your art no matter how bad or good you think it is. Um, and yeah, it's, I absolutely there's always agree. a place for it. It might be harder to find and you might not be Justin Bieber, like you said, but there's a place for it. And there's going to be that one person or, or tens of thousands of people, whatever, millions of people, whatever it is, even if it's just one person that, you, that you're going to change their life, show them a way of life that nobody else could express for them. That's super important. Yeah. Simply having the courage to put out music. Um, <laughs> I've had peers that, um, they're not necessarily fans of my music because their genre taste is a little different, but the fact that I'm pursuing it has given them courage to pursue their own passions as well. And so even if it's not about impacting somebody with the song itself, but with who you are and with your courage to be a creative and to pursue what you're passionate about, that empowers other people to do the same. I agree. I, I strongly agree. I, I think that the process is inspirational and the process, like if we stay focused on the process, then everything becomes a little bit easier and let go of the outcome. But this is the mixing and master. This is the mixing music podcast. So we have to talk about the mix here. Uh, just briefly here, you in this song, right? Other side, you asked me specifically about kick and bass can you can you tell the audience a little bit about what you were looking for with the rough mix versus why you came to me and what we were able to do together um and how that turned out for you yeah so um when i had my rough mix um i'm admittedly not the strongest producer i'm still kind of learning the ropes and, and getting into it and don't say that, that don't say that you're making people that you're making people that are insecure feel worse about themselves that's what you're doing no, don't say that <laughs> nobody should say that you're good you're good uh we can cut that out then <laughs> no no I'm teasing. no i want it in there because i think that's an important point to make but yeah. uh but no i well, like really though i i don't think so you're amazing you're very talented and i think anybody that listens can agree to that well i really appreciate that man um but i 
I do. So I think there's value in like knowing your strengths and weaknesses. Um, but like when I produced the song, I definitely felt like the drop was missing some oomph. Um, I wanted that kick and snare to like really punch you in the face. And also there's kind of a slappy bass and I wanted it to cut through and I needed the relationship between the bass and the kick to create the groove of the entire song. Um, and just no matter what I tried, I wasn't able to make it punchy enough. And so that's something that when I came to you with the stems, I was like, hey, what I'm looking for most is just getting the groove of the song through this relationship of the kick and the bass. And uh, that's definitely what you brought to the table. I mean, the drop is sick. And just after I heard your mix, it was like, this is what I want. You know? <laughs> that's the best compliment I can get. But um, as far as technicality goes, let's talk a little bit about this so anybody listening can walk away with some, with some uh, practical advice for a kick and bass relationship. Um, typically, uh, with kick and bass, they are always interrupting each other or getting in each other's way. But, uh, I would say a basic, basic way of, there's a lot of different ways to look at it, but a basic way of looking at it is first deciding if the bass or the kick is going to, which one is going to sit lower in the frequency. Is the kick drum going to be the lowest element, like, um, from a frequency point? right? Is the bass going to be really low and subby or is it going to be the kick that's going to be really, really low and subby? Which one's going to stand slightly above it? You know, still in the lows, but not as subby. And, um, usually with hip hop music, the bass is much lower than the kick. Um, but like in rock music, usually the kick is lower than the bass, um, in a lot of cases. And, and it depends on like cultural genres, like it's also vibe, um, genre cultures. Um, but yeah, in this case, uh, we did add a little bit more low end to the kick. Um, and because it was a nice slappy bass, I think I treated it to sit a little bit above the kick, but still punch through and have some low end. Um, there's a free plugin that I used actually on this, on this, uh, kick drum. Free plugin alert. <laughs> oh, actually this was on the bass. This is a, uh, it's the bark of dog. So just type in bark of dog. If you're looking for a free plugin, um, it's the voice of God, but the free version. And it's not as good as the OG voice of God from UAD. But the Bark of Dog is really, really, really good and definitely enhances that low end. What it does, it's a, it's a, a filter. So it's a high-pass filter, but with a little bump. So when you boost it, the bump goes up a little bit, but it still cuts off the low end. So it makes it really nice and clean, but makes it feel deeper. I really like that filter boost kind of thing. I forgot what they're technically called, but I really love those types of emulation for the low end. Um, with the bass, there, the kick drum, I added a little bit of R bass to have that low subby enhancement there just to make it feel, sit a little bit lower in the mix. Um, and yeah, it, this song in general is just really incredible. Production-wise, songwriting-wise, lyrics as always, as you're like the king of that in my eyes. Appreciate that, man. <laughs> yeah. And uh, um, for anybody listening, again, the, at the end of the song, after the outro music stick around and you can hear the entire song and i really recommend it michael where where can people find your music and your social media all that jazz let's let's do a little shout out here yeah so you can find me on pretty much any platform spotify apple music title deezer all of the above um under michael van wagoner um it's kind of hard to spell <laughs> 
So Michael v- spelled regularly. Yeah, Michael, and then Van Space Wagoner. Um, V-A-N Space W-A-G-O-N-E-R. O-N-E-R. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then on Instagram, my handle is at Michael V Songs. And uh, mm-hmm. I'm also trying to get TikTok going. There trying you to be go. Consistent. <laughs> so yeah, if you just- want kind of like fresh content um, with like pieces of my songs before they're finished, I'm usually throwing them up on TikTok and you can find me at Michael Van Wagoner, all one word. That's awesome. Yeah, I've, I have noticed uh, that you're pushing your TikTok. So that's really dope. That's really awesome. It's a great platform to be on for musicians right now. Yeah, um, it really is. For a minute. Uh, on that note, um, what was I going to ask? I was going to ask, uh, do you, is it okay if people hit you up for advice on Instagram or wherever if people DM you, ask some questions about songwriting, get some help or some motivation or anything like that? Is that okay? Absolutely. Yeah. I honestly, that's one of my favorite parts of being kind of a low key artist is that I can have a personal relationship with all of my fans. Um, I regularly like FaceTime with people that follow me who are either looking for advice or just want to chat. Um, so yeah, hit me up. Happy to help. Happy to listen to your demos and give whatever feedback you're looking for. And and I highly suggest anybody. And I highly suggest anybody listening does. Uh, that's. I mean, I don't want to overwhelm you with the DMs and stuff, but uh, at the same time, I don't think like. I think that everybody that's interested should go out of their way and, and reach out to Michael Van Wagner. If, if Michael, if, 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 uh, if you have any questions or looking for advice or want some feedback, Michael is the man and is very good with the songwriting. So congratulations well, I really on this appreciate song. That. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, uh, any other words that you want to say about the song or anything? <laughs> um, go stream it, put it in your playlist. Um, you know, run it up. <laughs> there you go. Other Side by Michael Van Wagner. Thank you for listening. Happy mixing, my friends, and stay saucy. One, two, three. <laughs>
tell me why you wanna live that kind of life You want your name in flashing lights You wanna chase that shallow high Oh, oh, oh Tell me why you wanna sell yourself a lie Cause in the end you'll realize It's gonna leave you cold and empty on the other side of videos of the podcast and various other tutorials on YouTube. You can subscribe to our channel at mixingmusicpodcast.com backslash YouTube. Happy mixing and enjoy the show.